James, I have a question for you today. Go for it. The question is as follows. What social norms will be questioned as prejudiced or immoral in 100 years? 100 years ago, examples included women's suffrage, especially in the UK. So in 100 years, let's say, or maybe even in 20 years, I would not be surprised if we didn't really eat animals. Ah, because of a social norm. Mm -hmm. That could be. It's funny because we were talking um, in my family the other day with my kids. I don't know how we got in this conversation, but do you, do you ever do you know anything about cricket flour, James? No. <laughs> so um, I don't even know. Is there a cricket flour? Uh, you mean a flower with petals? Are you talking about F L O U R? I'm talking about F L O U R, right? So basically, you make a, you take a bunch of crickets and uh, and grind and them into gr- flour, grind them into flour, or other and bugs. make and bake a cake. Absolutely, bake a cake, bake bread. You could make a bialy with cricket would you, flour. Would you eat that? Well, so this was the question. So, so we were talking. I can't remember. You know, my daughter, who is now thirteen, is kind of like a, a six days out of seven vegetarian. Like, if there's chicken tikka masala, she's not a vegetarian anymore, and she and she hates fish. She hates the idea of fish because it seems gross and all seafood to her. But the idea of meat and chicken, she doesn't like because they seem like animals that are kind of nice animals. So she doesn't want to eat them. But then, like I said, she'll exclude it once in a while. So this was on a day where she was eating meat. And so we started having a question about, you know, what it is that leads someone to cross a boundary like that. And we were discussing the fact, then the the kids were talking about Cecil the lion who was shot. And of course, everybody is encouraged to be outraged about that. And just the the idea that it might might very easily seem totally brutal to raise animals like cows, pigs, chickens, and kill them in order to eat them. And that was the line of conversation. Then I I brought up the idea of um, insect flour. So basically... This notion is that not only does it seem less cruel to kill insects than it does to kill, you know, mammals, but additionally, for the environment, it's a lot easier if you want to feed 7, 10 billion people. It's a lot easier to do it by raising insects than it is by raising cows, pigs, and chickens. You know, it's interesting because in in a question like this, you always want to follow the money. And you're talking about a trillion-dollar industry or a $100 billion industry, the meat industry, and now you're also talking about genetically modified foods that are feeding all of China. So I'm not arguing about whether that's good or bad, who knows, but it's impossible to fight with a, you could fight it with a moral argument, but it's not going to change the reality that that's how China is being fed. So maybe in a hundred years, things are going to be different when hydroponically we're all eating, you know, meat tasting plants. Uh, but that, I don't know. by saying the market's big and therefore valuable, you're presuming that the market can't be beat by something else. No, in fact, I, I, here's how it's going to be beat. So you can basically, using a typewriter practically, type out the DNA of a, a meat-tasting plant, print it up using a three, the 3D printer. I'm talking about 30 years from now. Print it up and then ship it over to China. So that's how people are going to get fed ultimately as opposed to slaughterhouses. So I think that's going to happen naturally. So you, so you think that will preclude the possible repugnance problem that meat yes. might have. Uh-huh. I think that's going to happen automatically. And I agree with you because because there are other there are other costs to slaughterhouses like, you know, you're you're ruining fields, you're ruining the environment in a variety of ways, but I think synthetic biology, which is a a fast moving trend, although it's small now, it's kind of multiplying by 4 every year all the advances mm. in it. I think that's going to solve the problem. So you're going to basically just be eating all plants that taste like whatever you want. And it's going to be grown, you know, in laboratories, and that's how you're going to feed the world. Hmm. You know what I think might be immoral, like 50, 100 years from now? Podcasting? 
podcasting for sure should be now. It's on, it's on somebody's list. Um, the notion that anybody um, can have a kid without forswearing ahead of time an obligation to provide for the kid well. That, that or, you know, it's funny. That's already baked into the legal system. Like you can't abandon. Well, it's kind of baked in. It's it's baked in with a big loophole. What's the loophole? Well, okay. Look at it this way. Like if you left your ki- your family and your kids right now, and you were sued by your ex wife to provide for the kids, I can run away from a lawsuit. But but you you would have to. There any wages would be garnished. Look, okay, look at it this way. If I want to cut your hair today, I need to go get a license, right? If I want to, really? I do. If I want to open a car wash, I got to get a license. I probably need a license to you know podcast for all I know, and we don't have one. Uh, if, however, I want to procreate. All I need are some reproductive organs. And that's it. It's curious to me that we need permission and licensing for so many things that are relatively unimportant when the one thing that we can all do, that most people can do, that has huge repercussions not only for ourselves but for other people, we need absolutely no permission from anybody to do so. And that, I think, is a weird construct that I would not be surprised if it were reconsidered in the future. That could be, although it goes against the entire kind of uh, reproductive engine Uh-oh, of evolution <laughs> in our society. Like, can you imagine, like, the, you're telling people they can't have kids? Like, put it this way. I didn't want to have kids when I had kids. Now, of course, I'm glad I have them, a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, but I absolutely did not want to have kids. So if, so Why I, not? Uh, it was, it, 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 honestly, just totally honest, kids are way too much work. Like no rational human being would ever have children if you realize what so, work was involved. So why do so many people have kids if it's such a uh, an expense, uh, m- you know, mentally, financially, time wise, and so on? Because two reasons. One is the human species is eventually going to die out, but DNA is not going to die out for billions of years, and DNA is the winner. DNA wants to reproduce and gets passed down. So that that drives every nerve and engine in your body is to is to reproduce. And the second thing is my wife wanted to have kids. There's lots more to say and we're going to say it right after this short break. Are you an Apple product fanatic? Does Apple CEO Steve Jobs inspire you? then you have to check out the new film from the Academy Award-winning director of Slumdog Millionaire and the Academy Award-winning screenwriter of The Social Network starring Michael Fassbender, simply called Steve Jobs. There is no doubt that Steve Jobs has left his mark not only in the tech industry, but also in our day-to-day lives. These days, who doesn't have at least one Apple product? Take a peek at his incredible life and backstory in this new film and discover what led to the visionary Apple CEO becoming a household name. IndieWire calls it must-see, one-of-a-kind cinema that cannot be ignored. And Variety declares it's impossible to take your eyes off Michael Fassbender. Don't miss this stunning film about one of the most influential people of our time. Opening in select theaters October 9th. You can catch it everywhere beginning October 16th. So this is actually another question I had teed up that I wanted to talk to you about at some point, which is literally... Why do I have kids? No, not why do you have kids, but I got the answer. Why do people want kids when they require so much time and money? So we ended up getting to that question by accident. But So so I hear what you're saying and in terms of the biological imperative. So I, I kind of buy that. You know, We have this conversation all the time about how much do we buy the biological imperative 
But I would state it a slightly different way. I would say that a lot of people don't really want to have kids, but they want to have sex. And yeah. kids are an, an occasional byproduct of sex and that they kind of then talk themselves into thinking that, oh, yeah, that's okay. That goes along with it the way that cake goes along with the icing. It is very transactional in that way. You know, whenever I hear anybody say, why do people want to have kids? It seems kind of nuts. My first thoughts, it does seem nuts. Like, put it this way, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, think about what a kid is. A kid doesn't speak English, is crying all the time and vomiting on you and sleeps in your bed and just moves into your house. Like if you had a roommate that did that, you would be like, get out of here. You're you're my roommate and you just vomited all over the floor and you don't even speak English. It's done. Now you're talking, now you're inviting a kid to spend the next 18 years in your house like that. Like, is that rational? As true as all that may be. So I will say this as the youngest of eight, right? And I think about this all the time. Like my parents were nuts. They had eight kids. It's totally nuts. But I'm so glad they did. Yeah, that they sure. kept going and going and going, if only because I've gotten to live life, and I think life is awesome. But then you think, well, okay, that's easy to think selfishly as the the kid, not the the one who actually has to do all the stuff. If I ever told you the story about the the bird and uh, the bees, no, I haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, about um, so there was a, a bird <laughs> once upon a time. Too big, and he was big. He was a big. You knew that part. It was a big bird, and he had three um, fledglings, three little birds. And a storm came up, and uh, he had to get the birds back home across, like, this big lake. And the lake was getting rough and rough and rough. And so um, he could only take them one at a time across the lake. So he grabs the one baby bird in his claws, and he starts to fly it across the lake. And he says to the baby bird, listen, kid, um, you know, look how, look how I'm struggling and risking my life for you. Um, will you do the same for me when I'm old? And the baby bird says, oh, yeah, absolutely, definitely. I'll do whatever you want. Just let's get across the lake. At that point, the father bird drops the baby bird in the lake and it drowns. And he goes back, gets the second bird, same thing, says to the baby bird, will you help me? Yes, of course. Da-da-da. Drops him in the lake, drowns. Third bird gets a third bird flying across, says the same thing. Will you do the same for me when I'm old? And the baby bird says, well, you know, I probably won't because that's not the way life works. The kids don't generally take care of the parents. But I will promise you this, that I will risk my life and work as hard on behalf of my children as you did for me. At which point the father bird says, well spoken. I believe you. You're an honest and good kid and I'm going to save your life. Kind of makes me sad a little bit that someday I'm going to be like 90 and like calling my kids and they're going to not return the calls because they're going to be taking care of their kids and I'm just going to die alone and that's it. Well, all I can say, James, is that... Um, I had all those kids for nothing. <laughs> well, I'm, first of all, I'm sure that any kid and grandkid of yours is going to want to visit you a little bit because you're a very lovable guy. And if not, uh, you'll have a smartphone to entertain you on your deathbed. I will tell you this. My Mm 13-year-old, for the first time ever, just last week, beat me in ping pong. So she can go rot in hell for all I care. (laughs) Thanks for listening to today's Question of the Day. We'll give you a sneak peek at our next episode in just a minute. But first... Thanks again to Universal Pictures and their upcoming film, Steve Jobs, for sponsoring today's episode. The director of Slumdog Millionaire and the writer of The Social Network have teamed up to bring you Steve Jobs. Critics are calling it must-see, 
one-of-a-kind cinema that cannot be ignored. In select theaters, October 9th. Catch it everywhere, October 16th. Next time on Question of the Day, tell me the story of a startup that succeeded despite having, like, one really, 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 really weak component. Well, Facebook is a great example. 